as we look at the light of Jesus Christ, we see even nature herself reflect all of her superlatives. The night that he was born was the fairest night in the history of the world. The day that he was killed was the darkest day. And the day of his resurrection was the brightest morning that earth has ever known. His death was a bloody death. Sometimes we forget that, but we recall the details that Scripture gives and we recall how the writer to Hebrews said in Hebrews 9.22, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And on the cross that day, from the wounds in his hands and his feet, and when he had died from the wound in his side, real, red, warm blood flowed down the cross into the dirt. His death was painful. It was not an easy death. It was very severe. His death was shameful. And his death was cursed of God. In Deuteronomy 21, 23, it says... For everyone who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. And as we examine the darkest day, we are prone to ask, why did it happen? Why did God let it be? Why did He allow it? It happened for our purification. Revelation 1.5 says, We are washed clean by the blood that Jesus shed. It happened for the satisfaction of the sin debt. For you see, sin had to be punished. There was no way around it. Punishment had to be paid for sin. And the justice of God demanded that blood be shed. But the love of God demanded that that blood be His own that would pay for our sins. Why did He do it? He did it for joy. The writer to Hebrews again says in chapter 12 that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why did he do it? He did it for glory. For in Revelation 5, John gives us a glimpse of what will happen yonder there in heaven before the throne of Christ. Revelation 5, 11 to 14. John says, And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. He did it for glory. But the thing that is unreasonable about Calvary is to realize that the place of His death is the place of the beginning of our life. Mark 15, 
through the end of the chapter, the darkest day. Mark tells us, first of all, about the Word denied. The Word of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, denied by the world. And this is found in verses 21 through 32. In verses 21 and 22, the cross is carried. Now remember that Jesus Christ has been up all night. He has been run at a trot among a squad of soldiers all over the city. First to the house of Caiaphas, then to Annas, then to Pilate, then to Herod, then back to Pilate, then to the praetorium where the guards scourged him. And the blood flowed from the wounds in his back as he was beaten with the cat of nine tails. He's been up all night. He's weak from a lack of sleep. He's weak from the scourging. But God knows that he must not be allowed to die before he reaches the cross, for it is there that he will pay the price for our sins. Mark tells us that the one who carried his cross, named Simon, was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now what does that mean? Mark wrote his gospel to the church at Rome. They were the first recipients of it. And evidently many conservative Christian scholars believe that Alexander and Rufus must have been known to the church at Rome for Mark to so identify their father to that church as he wrote his gospel. And how amazing to think that the man who was grabbed roughly by a Roman soldier and forced to carry the cross of another, he and his whole family were saved because of that contact with Jesus Christ. The cross is carried. Verses 23 to 28, the Christ is crucified. We read here that they offered him wine mingled with myrrh. Now myrrh used in this application became a drug. It was one of the most commonly used drugs of that day. And mixing it with wine, it would act as a painkiller. It would dull his senses. It would get into his bloodstream. And all that happened to him as he approached death would have been a fog. But Jesus refused to drink it. He was resolved to taste death with a clear head and open eyes. The inscription over his head, this is the king of the Jews, was meant as a taunt to the Jews. But even though Pilate and his men meant it to poke fun at the Jews, it was the truth. And God saw that when Jesus Christ was on the cross of Calvary for the world to see, there was the designation of who he was above his head. He was the king of the Jews. And how ironic to think that Jesus Christ was put to death for the crime of being king. Verse 27, they crucify him with two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. You see, there were to have been three thieves but Jesus Christ took the cross of Barabbas. What an illustration of his substitution. How he took our place. Every one of us, he stood in the place that was designated for us. And Mark comments that the prophecy of Isaiah, written over 700 years before the death of Christ, was literally fulfilled. 
how Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 12, he was numbered with the transgressors. Verses 29 to 32, the crowd is concerned. Here is mock concern. Somehow, though we cannot understand it, death in the ancient world held much fascination. There was very little sympathy for death, especially for those who were thought to deserve it. And the crowds were out. Remember that during this Passover feast, there were not a quarter of a million people in Jerusalem as normally. There were not 250,000. There were four or five million people there. And that hill, Golgotha, rising above the city wall on the outskirts must have been surrounded. And the crowd is concerned that this itinerant preacher, this self-proclaimed prophet, is being put to death. They said, save yourself. Come down from the cross. And those men learned in the law chuckled to themselves and said, He saved others, but Himself He cannot save. And how strange that they spoke exactly the truth. Their words were literally true. For Jesus Christ could not that day have saved us without letting Himself be put to death. He could not save himself and others. He had to die in order that others could be saved. To come down from the cross would have meant that you and I would be doomed eternally for Jesus Christ was the only way salvation could be had from our sins. General William Booth, one of the giant figures in the recent history of Christianity, a man of the last century who founded the Salvation Army was preaching on the crucifixion one day and he came to the part where the chief priest said he saved others, but he cannot save himself. And they said, let him come down in order that we may believe who he is. And General Booth said, oh, they had it all backwards. If he had come down, we could not have believed in him. Hear the word of God is denied. And then verses 33 to 41. Here the world is delivered. The world was delivered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the seat of death became the source of life for every one of us who believe. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And what is the gospel? Gospel means good news. How can a tragic death be good news? Because by planting the seed of His blood, God has reaped countless millions of children through the death of Christ. That gospel message is that Jesus Christ was fully God, yet fully man. He lived a life among us as we are, yet without sin. And on the cross at Calvary, His life was taken. And on the third day, He rose from death, leaving the grave merely a pleasant place to await the resurrection. The the world is delivered by the blood of Christ. The way opens, verses 33 to 38. 
In verse 33, we are told that the sun went dark over the whole land from the sixth hour, which is about noon, until the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m. This was darkness supernaturally imposed. It was not an eclipse of the sun. For when this crucifixion occurred, it was the first day of a new moon, and eclipse is impossible <coughs> under those conditions. It was supernaturally imposed darkness. In verses 34 to 36, they're getting quite a kick out of it. Jesus cries out in his native tongue, Oh my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the casual listeners said to themselves, Why, he is calling for Elijah. And they went this time not to give him a drink of a drug, but to give him the bitter taste of vinegar to stir his senses and to wake him up so that he could die more painfully. And when he had cried, he gave up the ghost. We are told in verses 37 and 38 that the veil of the temple was torn in two. Now the temple was a massive structure. The foundations of the temple compound were taller than this building. They were built up over the Kidron Valley. And that foundation has endured through every war, through every change in the weather for thousands of years and stands intact today in Jerusalem. The veil of the temple was not torn in two pieces because of the earthquake that accompanied the, resurrect the crucifixion. The temple was too solid for that. The building was not torn down and the building of the temple would have had to fall apart before that temple could have, before the veil could have been torn by natural means. You see, that veil in the temple meant that there was a separation between God and man. Behind that veil in the temple was the place called the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could enter once a year to offer prayer for the sins of the people. And when Jesus died, that veil, and by the way, the veil was velvet. It was close woven velvet over four inches thick. And the instant that Jesus died, God Almighty drew His finger down the veil and tore it into two pieces. And for the first time since that temple was built, the Holy of Holies was wide open for the world to see. It was aired out. Light was let in. And as the writer to Hebrews explains to us, that was because by the blood of Jesus all of us have bold and free access to the throne of God. No more must a man stand before God for another man. The veil was torn and every man could approach God for himself. You see, he was the final sacrifice. Never again would God receive the blood of an animal mingled with repentance to forgive sins. For now in the end of time, the writer to Hebrews tells us, He has appeared once and for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And I do not have to pay the price for my sins. I do not want justice from God. I want mercy. And I may have it as I accept the sacrifice of His Son. 
And then the women observe, verses 39 to 41. His disciples have been scattered. They have fled everyone to his own house. They are afraid. They don't know what may happen next. But these women who have loved him and followed him, whom he has cured and healed, whom he has blessed, they have followed him all the way, faithful to the end, and they see him on the cross. And then finally, notice in verses 42 to 47, here is the world deceived. The world thought it was all over. Satan may have thought at this point that he had won. Here truly the world is deceived for God's plan had been hidden from all men. In Colossians 1 verses 26 and 27 we read that this plan of God is a mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now is made known to His people to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, God from the very beginning of His written Word had told us that blood would be shed for the paying of sins. He told the woman... You shall have seed, an individual, a seed that will stomp the head of the serpent, but the serpent will bruise his heel. And all through the Old Testament, as the tabernacle was set up, as the worship and the sacrifice was dictated by God, we see there clearly reflected the death of a spotless one to pay for our sins. But God's plan was so fantastic that God Himself would pay the price for sin that nobody, nobody understood it. It remained hidden. It had been told by the prophets. Christ had told it Himself. But still, it was too fantastic for anyone to believe. The body is sought in verses 42 to 44. It was very unusual as we read this account that the victim of crucifixion would die so soon. You see, if they were left on the cross merely wounded as they were hung there, often it took days for them finally to die from exposure or infection. This day, the Jews would not have their holy feast marred by the presence of criminals on crosses. And so at the end of the day, they had planned to come along and brutally break all the legs of those who were crucified, thus hastening the process of death. But Jesus did not die. He gave up His Spirit. He died of His own choice in the time that He chose. And Joseph of Arimathea, one who believed Him, one who had not been invited to the kangaroo court that convicted him, went to Pilate boldly and claimed his body. And then the burial is seen, the last three verses of the chapter. These women who have followed him and loved him so much, watch very carefully, for they will care for him even though he is dead. They will anoint his body. They will mark his grave. They will mourn him for many days. 
they will not desert him, even in his death. There are some who claim that the word of God is not true, that scripture is a joke, and yet we read in Isaiah 53 that they appointed him a grave with the wicked. If Joseph had not claimed his body, Rome would have buried Jesus in the potter's field among other criminals and among those whose bodies had not been claimed. They appointed him a grave with the wicked. But then Isaiah says something very strange. But with the rich in his death. They had appointed him a grave with sinners. And yet Joseph of Arimathea, a very rich man, came and laid his body in his own tomb. And over 700 years prior to his death, Isaiah told us every detail of what was going to happen. This is the most significant event in human history. It is the summit, the apex. Everything before the crucifixion points toward it. And everything since the crucifixion points back to it. Without it, there is no gospel for us to preach. What was true of him is still true today. Men are still lost today and still need to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Selfish service will save no one. Only sacrifice can save. And Jesus has made the eternal sacrifice. We too by sacrificing ourselves to Him, giving Him all that we are and all that we have, we'll find true life. And then we will discover that others will follow us to Jesus. Do you know that kind of commitment? Is it commonplace to you or does what the crucifixion meant sink in? Can you see the tragedy and the sorrow and the unbelievable love that God, God Himself, Creator God, God in all of His glory, would put skin on and lay down that life for us? Do you know that kind of commitment? Do you know Him? That darkest day is past. And the light of God that brings us to Christ is shining forever. I do not know your heart. I do not know your need. But whether you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you need to come bow in fuller commitment of your life to Him, whether you need to join this church and invest your life here, where God wants you to be. Whatever God would have you do, because of the darkest day, the light is now shining on you, and you may come to Christ. One further word, Scripture says, today is the day. There will never be a better day. It will never be any easier. Scripture says, today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart, for He is merciful and gentle, and He calls when He wants us to respond. What God would have you do, today is your day. Do it right now. Do it quickly. As we stand, as we sing together hymn 191, I have decided to follow Jesus. Whatever He would have you do, do it right now.